So I was driving on the interstate the other day. Um, I'd been downtown uh, to the church campus and picked up a few things for our Foothills worship service. And anyway, I'd uh, buzzed around the corner there and was headed east. Had just gotten on the interstate and I was headed east, headed out to the Foothills. I noticed a billboard on my right. And um, I don't know, I wasn't going all that fast, but I was going fast enough that I really couldn't see which company was advertising, but I know what they were advertising. There were four people, and behind those four people, there were like uh, smaller groups of persons, kind of like four captains of a team, kind of like that sort of image. Um, And it was obvious that this company, they were advertising, they were touting that these four teams uh, were coming together to work together and go in the same direction to fulfill a, a particular purpose. And in other words, that there were a bunch of loose pieces coming together for a common purpose and a common goal to be able to accomplish what it was they were trying to doing, tra- uh, trying to do. In other words, um, kind of like what we're doing here, isn't it? Isn't it exactly what we're doing here at Yuma First? I mean, it, it's pretty obvious to me we're trying to put the pieces back together. Now, God knows where we're headed. I'm convinced of that. And it's, I think it's good that he's just uncovering just a little bit at a time where we're headed because uh, for a lot of us, just getting a hold of one small piece at a time has been quite a process. So, putting together a team, putting together pieces that are floating around, together for one purpose, for a common goal, and that is to achieve God's plan and his purpose for us right here at Yuma First. I'm reading to you uh, from the Gospel of Luke chapter 6, and this is Luke's version of Jesus' calling of the first uh, disciples, and uh, quite interesting. I just stumbled on this the other day. Luke chapter 6. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray. He spent the night praying to God. And when morning came, he called his disciples to him, and he chose twelve of them, whom he also designated as apostles. Simon, whom he named Peter, his brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called the Zealot, Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. He went down with them and stood on a level place. A large crowd of his disciples was there as well, and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem, and from the coastal region around Tyre and Sidon. All had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by impure spirits were cured, and the people all tried to touch him because power was coming from him and healing them. So ends our reading from Luke chapter 6, beginning with verse 12. And by the way, that was the New International Version. Well, by now, most of us here gathered know that uh, recently I needed to work through mentally and then physically gathering up 
and the moving of what we would need to kind of create an outdoor worship experience in the foothills here in Tenant's driveway. For example, uh, again, I needed to think it through. I, I kind of imagined in, in my mind's eye the front part of the church, you know, where your worship leaders are, the musicians, the preacher, the liturgist, the worship leaders, that spot where we gather with the kids. So I had to think about our sound system, our music stands, our computer, our microphones, and now we're, as, as you know, our Zoom camera. Uh, the personal protective equipment and hand sanitizer and the, all the signs that we have now. You know, all this stuff that we could just piece together, just like those teams on that billboard I mentioned a moment ago. Why? Because I knew we needed to recreate a chancel or stage area right here in Tenant's driveway. And it was then that I realized that we at Yuma First Church it's kind of like we've been holding a book and now together we're turning a page in that book and we're starting a brand new chapter. And here's the title of that chapter, Putting the Pieces Back Together. Well, speaking of multiple people and a lot of moving parts gathered together to accomplish a mission and purpose, you Bible gurus already know that the gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they have their own way of presenting Jesus' team building. They had, they had and they still have their own way of telling the story of how Jesus called his first disciples and their slight variances, not only in his selection process, uh, there's a, there's some of the names are a bit different, some of the names of family members are a little bit different. But the important thing for you and me and Yuma First today is this. Jesus knew full well what he was doing when he began to put together the pieces of God's plan. For example, here's a kind of a modern day example of this scripture that I just read. Years ago, I as a pastor was putting together a team of leaders for the local church. At that time in my career, I used to just kind of look for a willing heart. Some would say I was just grabbing it finding a warm body here and there. I'd put them in a role, a leadership role, and then I'd eventually discover their gifts and their abilities. And I'd hope to God that their talents were exactly what was needed for their specific role of leader leadership. But I realized, finally, in my latter years of ministry, that I've had that process backwards that the efficacy, the effectiveness, the overall usefulness of any leadership team, let alone a church leadership team, it takes on a whole new dimension and has taken on a whole new dimension because now I get to know people carefully. I discern their strengths, their talents, their desires, and then I do my best to place them in the right seat on the bus or... In the case of Yuma First, I'll just create create a leadership role for them. Very interesting. My friends, we know that Jesus didn't just choose 12 warm bodies just because he needed a full boat, right? He didn't choose these 12 guys because he wanted 12 guys hanging around him uh, during a fishing trip. 
especially because we live in on this side of the resurrection, we now know that Jesus had a mission. He had a purpose. He had a function. But why these particular 12 guys? Why were these guys chosen? Why did Jesus choose these guys over others? And what or who in our world today might these guys represent? Well, I'm going to go quickly here, so hold on. With, uh, uh, hang with me, all right? Well, there were, there were Andrew and Philip and uh, some gospels name a guy named Nathaniel. Um, I think these guys were all about innocence, curiosity, wonder, awe. You know, really? Really? What's going on? Can we, can we be a part of it? Can we? Can we? Kind of reminds me of uh, our dog Brownie when he's hungry, which, by the way, is 24 hours a day. Then there was Thomas. Thomas. Thomas is the guy, I mean, I love Thomas because Thomas is all about fear. He's all about uncertainty. He's all about doubt, especially in the world we live in today. Who can't relate to that? There's John, the Apostle John. John, John was the Apostle of love, of compassion, of loyalty. And then there's Peter. Peter, explosive. Peter, cantankerous. Peter was impetuous. Peter was the guy that would say, get out of my way. There's a job to be done. Let's go. And then there was Mary. Now, I know Mary was never mentioned in all the lists of the specific 12 disciples who were chosen by Jesus. But we know, in fact, go ahead, read the Gospels. It was Mary. Mary was chosen before these 12 guys were put together. Mary was all about devotion. Ladies, Mary was all about being a good mother ahead of all other things. She was all about responsibility, dedication. And then, and the Gospels talk about James and John a little differently. Some say they were the sons of Zebedee. Luke says that uh, one of them was a son of Alphaeus. These guys were the hard workers, the laborers. You ever talk to other people who are maybe leaders of other churches and they'll say, oh yeah, 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 so-and-so's a worker. They're a real worker. They're laborers. They get the job done. Every organization, especially a church, we need those hard workers. And then, let's not forget them, he's definitely mentioned very specifically here by Luke, there was Judas Iscariot. Judas was injured. He was vulnerable. Judas was mysterious. Judas was lost and confused. Honestly, innocence, curiosity, gentleness, faithfulness, fear, doubt, vulnerability, patience, explosiveness, dedication, patience, perseverance, aren't all of these important pieces of what it truly means to be a human being, which I think is the first piece we need to put back together. And that piece I'm calling today the humanity piece. So speaking of generally being human, I read somewhere recently that you and I need to empty ourselves of those things that are blocking God from piecing back together our injured souls. Why? For his glory, for his praise, and his honor. So just as kind of a pause button here, what needs to be emptied from me and from you? 
so that we can serve God more fully? And how can we make room for God when there are already so many moving parts in our lives? Well, being genuinely human leads me to what I'm calling today the grief piece. Yeah, the grief piece. You and I, in the midst of the last six to seven months, we've lost a lot. Many are injured. Many are still suffering. Yes, many are even angry at times because so much feels like it's just been taken from us. I've even have, have had people tell me that life as they knew it, they feel like it's just like they've been robbed. So yeah, it's time to honestly face our weaknesses and the things that you and I struggle with. Grief is a very curious and interesting thing and it affects people differently. Part of being human, part of allowing God to uh, piece things back together in our lives is uh, admitting to ourselves and to those around us that, yeah, we, we are going through times of grief, of loss, and of feeling um, injured at times. Um, thirdly, I think there's what I'm calling today the peace and the grace. The peace and the grace peace that needs to be put back together. And what I mean by that is patience, love, being a well. Remember the sermon a few weeks ago about being a well? You know, being a reservoir of patience, grace, wisdom, and love, especially when those around us are being uh, difficult. Maybe they're being a pill, and it's time uh, rather than for us to overact and add uh, more fuel to the fire that you and I could be a, um, a peaceful, gentle Reservoir of love and grace, not only to that person, but hey, even to ourselves. You know, as I've been talking about putting the pieces back together, and should I say more accurately, allowing God to put the pieces back together, what came to mind to me the other day were the things that I've heard every year from our winter residents. Let me give you a couple examples. Raking leaves, picking up branches, cleaning off the roof, uh, pine needles, uh, turning on the power and going through the long, hard, sometimes difficult task of getting the well working again so that you can flush the toilet and even take a shower. And those are some of the things that I've heard that are among the very early pieces that have to be put back together, especially as you move from uh, the desert into your other areas where you live during the summertime. Then there's our, there are those of you who have lake property. Eventually, what? You have to wrestle with your dock and maybe even your boat lift. Maybe you even need to replace, uh, I don't know, a vinyl cover that was on your boat that is uh, maybe it's just kind of gotten broken down, dusty and dirty and is falling apart. Not to mention touching base with local doctors, neighbors, utility companies, and maybe even the post office procedures. Wow. I'm finally beginning to understand why you retirees are always telling me that you're so busy. Why? Well, I'm learning, uh, and I'll be learning from experience very soon, that a life of retirement is a constant cycle of putting the pieces back together at least twice a year. Finally, my friends, this leads me to what I'm calling the peace of hope, love, and joy interesting story. I'm going to do my best to tell you this story very briefly. A week ago, I was gone from the house for several hours. I'd been cleaning up and doing landscaping in our yard, and I'd been filling up 
uh, several garbage cans with um, uh, cut up leaves, branches, limbs, and so forth. And I just had them lined up on the street, on the sidewalk. I knew that the, the big truck would come by and dump, you know, the big city container. And then my plan was to take all these smaller garbage cans and dump them in the one that was empty. So that, why? So that it could be ready for the next week. Well, anyway, I'm gone several hours. I came back home, pulled in the driveway, and I noticed my big, beefy, uh, oh, it's a trash can I bought for the backyard um, several years ago. Uh, I had it on a little cart. Why? Because I can't carry it anymore. was gone. Somebody had driven by, parked, got out, stole my garbage can, and left. And I was an unhappy camper. Well, anyway, to get to the point, uh, a few days later, I'm out riding my bike, and I see there's a landscaper there. There's a truck pulled up. There's a guy standing there. There's a garbage can exactly like mine, although it's a very common garbage can. There's also a small bucket, which was which is exactly like mine. And I just stopped, got off my bike. I was very kind. I really, honestly, I did a really good job. I was gentle. I was smiling. And I said to him, sir, I really don't want to accuse you of something, but it's going to sound like I, I am accusing you. But can I ask where you got that garbage can and where you got that little white bucket? And he looked at me gently, quietly. He smiled. And he said, you know, the book of Proverbs says in the third chapter in the latter part that God favors all people. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to favor you. I'm going to favor you because God has called me to favor you. And he reached down and he grabbed a hold of that white plastic five-gallon bucket and he handed it to me and he said, here, I have a lot of buckets like this. You go ahead and take it. I want you to take it and remember that God favors you, my friend. And I took the bucket and I went home and I went into the house and I told Wendy the story that I'm telling you here today. Powerful example of a piece that you and I are all called to do. You and I are all called to help God Put the pieces of hope, love, and joy back together. Finally, now that we're getting a handle on some of these pieces that we need to be whole again, I believe it's time for you and I to accept both the excitement and the enormity of the task before us over the next few months. And although I've met more than a few people recently who don't really want to start over, who would by far prefer things to get back to pre-COVID normal times, whatever those are. My friends, I'm going to stand by this. Faithful followers of Jesus trust God, and they are hopeful people of vision. I'm convinced that we are tickled pink because we've been given another chance to begin again, to allow God to put the pieces back together, and to be ever hopeful because we know there's a whole new world waiting for us. So in what way can you allow yourself to be chosen by God? Why would Jesus want you? What can you offer him? What do you have to offer to God? 
to offer to your church community? What do you have to offer your family and your friends? What do you have to offer the communities in which you live? What gifts, graces, qualities, talents, and desires can you and I contribute to God's work of putting the pieces back together? Join me as we think about the answers to these questions, especially this week. Amen.